for all NBA for all NBA warriors. You are now tuned into Golden Spaces with Matt and Justin. What up, y'all? It's Golden Spaces, an Odyssey original podcast. It's your girl Nat, and I'm here with Justin. Hey, how you doing, Justin? I'm good. The vibes are back in order, somewhat. Somewhat. <laughs> we got to get multiple, multiple games above 500 for the vibes to be immaculate again. But immaculate. That's but the goal. We are vibes. we are aiming for immaculate vibes, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, this is the day after the game, so you're not getting like our immediate reaction. We had to record the next day because Justin had a hot date, so that's why. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we're delayed, Dub Nation. So um, blame it on Justin. But I hope you had a wonderful day, <laughs> Justin. Um. Hello. Okay. So before we dig in, get in, let me just tell y'all while I'm upset, right? I mean, it's my fault, but I'm still upset. So I ordered some food. And, you know, it's Uber Eats. So they deliver, you know, to my door. And, like, you just go get it, right? And I, whatever. I live somewhere where, like, it's good. So even if I don't go get my food, like, right at the first second, it's safe, right? So, but I did. I went and I got it. But, like, I don't know. The way that this person delivered my shit, like, the food was like close to my door, but like my beverages were like sort of far. And so I couldn't just like reach out to get them, but I couldn't step out at that moment. So I just picked up my food and I was like, okay, I'll like come back in a few minutes to get the rest of my drinks. Yo, when I went back to get my drinks, I took one of my drinks, yo. Like there was only one that. I was like, what is happening? Like how do you just take my fucking drink? They, that means they were watching it. Son. That's crazy. That's crazy. Bro, I'm so tight about it still. Yo, they took my hey. drink, yo. You just got I guess you got to look at it like they 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 needed it. If they if you got to resort to stealing is never really okay. But it's not water. So you ain't need it cuz it's not water. And water is the only thing that you could fucking need. <laughs> Dang. People are nah, man. Like I'm like really upset about it. Like, really. Because, like, they just. Anyway, so I want to share that story. All right. But even still, before we get into the game, we're going to talk about some other nonsense. So, Chris Paul, because, you know, I take any chance and opportunity to, to take shots at Chris Paul and the Suns. So, they played the other night versus the Pelicans. And they lost, they got embarrassed and they got all in their feelings because Zion did a 360 dunk at the end of the game and it was over, but they wasn't upset that they tried to get a layup, missed and left enough time on the clock for Zion to go back into that 360. And of course, all this unwritten rules shit came up and what's their backup point guard's name again? The one who has the most ugliest shot I've ever seen. Campaign. Yeah. He was talking some shit about, oh, we we always do the right things, do you? So mm-hmm. when your teammate was all up in Clay Thompson's grill, throwing up three-point signs or whatever, 
that was doing the right thing. I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? Like, what is it with the sons? Like, they could dish it, but they can't take it. I'm just, like, trying to understand. So you tell me, Justin, because these unwritten rules only seem to come up at, like, very convenient times. So you played. You tell me, because I think it's bullshit. I'm like, if you don't want someone to do that to you, then you stop them. You win the game. But you tell me you're, you're a hooper. Are these unwritten rules a real thing? And, like, should people still be holding on to them? Um, to a certain extent, sure. Right. But all is fair. Like everything is fair game. And like you said, if you don't want something to happen, then prevent it from happening. Right. Like you said, could have made the layup, could have got back on defense. Right. You just, you know, you assume that somebody's going to dribble the clock out, but in the event that they don't, you can't just sit there and cry and then elbow somebody in the neck on the way back down to court. Chris Paul cheap shot somebody like, they're just they're just soft. Their their entire team is soft. Um, you know, I've, they're they're front runners. That's just kind of the embodiment of most Chris Paul teams, like throughout his career. Great regular season teams, they front run, and then when it gets down to the nitty gritty, they can't get over the hump because their leader is a soft crybaby, sore loser. Like that's just is what it is. Um, I'll be glad when he retires. So <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Word, word. And uh, the Damian Lee that we all recognize from the Warriors seems to have been making appearances again. So he had like a turnover and I don't know, he wasn't that great, but I'm not wishing for anyone to like perform poorly. You know, I'm not wishing that on him, but um, I guess I would say to the dumb fans who start to be like, oh my God, he wasn't like that for us. And I'm like, well, he actually was, because that's what he does. Like he would always like start off the season hot and have like some games and he's killing it and then slowly but surely you know and the foolishness would start so i'm not one of the people i know when we were having tough times people were going crazy like oh, you know and you i mean you weren't going crazy but you were one of the people like well we had solid vets like damian lee and you know i always gave you the side eye when you said that because i don't believe he was no solid vet um but that being said the damian to his contract that's the caveat that's the caveat relative to his contract <laughs> okay. So, so that being said, it's so funny because I'm in this group basketball chat and one of my boys was like, you know, the Warriors, they're so smart. They always dump these players who aren't like very good. And I said, but hold on, because you'd be arguing with me about how deep the Warriors benches have been. So like, which is it? Because like our guys are so good. But then like, because that's the question I always ask when people talk about how deep the benches are. So what happens to all those guys when they leave the Warriors? Yeah. They don't stop being great. Like, they don't, like, they just stop being great. Like, I don't understand. So, because to me, not that I need a reason to, like, talk about Steph's greatness, but, like, that's the greatness of Steph, right? Like, he masks so much. It makes people think, and that's, like, I'm not, I'm really not trying to pile on Damian Lee or anyone else because, yes, all those people when they were here, they contributed, but that's how much easier Steph makes the game, for them and can raise the level of his teammates, right? Which is sort of why, even though it's arrogant, why the Warriors think that they can always just put anyone (laughs) on the damn squad and we'll be okay because of the greatness of Steph. For sure. I mean, he makes the whole thing go. The entire system is built around him. And Draymond defensively, he he puts guys in the right position and what they're supposed to do on the defensive end. And that's just... Like you said, it is a little bit arrogant to just assume that anybody can be placed uh, next to those two guys on both ends, and, and it works. But, 
you got the best offensive player of this generation, you got the best defensive player of his generation on the same team, then it makes it a lot easier for everyone around them to to get going. And you see time and time again, like even the super team 2016 Warriors, like half of that team was like out of the league within like two, three years after they um, lost in the finals and kind of rehauled. Out of Ian Clark. I don't know if any of them really went beyond like two or three years. I think right. it was like a year for most of them. Exactly. Harrison was the only one that had a decent career afterwards. And he um, was a starter. Like, he wasn't like a, I mean, he was exactly. a role player. He was a starter and a lottery pick. Like he's not exactly. like the other guys, the Brandon Clarks and the Michael McAdoo's and some of those other guys. Right. Right. So yeah. I mean, we see it time and time again, guys kind of make their way past through the golden state um, system and, they, they shine while they're there, then they leave, and it's not it's not the same elsewhere. Um, so, you know, praise, praise at 30 and 23. So now I, I'm in a conundrum, right? Because I don't really believe in the whole, like, someone being your most important player but not your best player or your most valuable player but not your best player because these were distinctions people tried to make a lot during the KD. Steph years, right? And so mm-hmm. you said something interesting that made me stop to think because I was about to say, well, like, yeah, Dre has like always been like their second most important player after Steph, right? And I mean, I think some people out there debate like, oh, if Clay is the second best player on the team, Clay obviously has gotten paid more than Dre. But I think most of us, like, really hardcore like junkie warriors fans we'd all probably say not to really like draymond right mm-hmm. um so i'm in a conundrum because i genuinely do believe that wiggins is their second best player now right but i don't know if he's more important than dre so what what what's happening can you break it down for me what am i struggling with no nah, you got it on, you, i think you're hitting on the net like i mean on the hitting the nail on the head um, you know, Clay always got paid more than Dre because his his skill set and his position, the market always demanded more money for that. That's that's pretty the main reason. That's really the main reason why that's always happened. Um, like you said, most people that follow the Warriors for an extended period of time know that Draymond has been their best play, the second best player for the you know majority of the dynasty. Other than when KD was there, obviously the talent is undeniable with Kevin Durant. Um, as far as Wiggins and Draymond. I think it's still a debate. I think Wiggins definitely closed the gap, you know, but I, like you said, like we just discussed, um, the table is the table is set, you know, like Steph does a lot on offense to make everyone's lives easier. And Dre does a lot on defense to make everyone's lives easier. Now Wiggins is in his own right, taking advantage of everything and doing more, you know, and then some, you know, so at this point, I think you can say and he was making some people's lives easier, right? I mean, he's certainly sure. making Clay's life easier. Exactly. He's he's probably I mean, Joku's coming into his own and Clay showed some some promise as far as getting back to, you know, a reasonable level defensively of what he once was last night. He showed that. But Wiggins for the most part has been their sole point of attack wing, like shut down guy all year. And he's been there main consistent second option on offense all year so that's two huge roles that he's filling and he's he's excelling in both um so if 
if someone says like, yo, Wiggins is their second best player, I'm not going to be like, no, you know what I mean? If someone says Draymond is, I'm not going to be like, no, it's just kind of like. What they Are both they 2A and 2B now? I, w- I would probably say that. I would probably say they're 2A and 2B. Um, I would put Dre 2A still just because what he does defensively is just, it's, it's similar to what Steph does offensively, if not the same. Obviously, offense is more important to, than defense um, in a team basketball game. But he he puts everybody in the right position. The defense, like what he was able to do with the second unit as well, just kind of like put them on track. Um, it's tough. It's tough. I think they're, yeah, 2A and 2B at this point. But would that second unit work as good if Andrew wasn't there, right? It's like, I think both of them were needed to stabilize it. Like, I don't feel like it's an either or. Um, or do you think it would be? Like, do you think if Andrew wasn't out there and it was just like Dre out there with um, with uh, JP and the others, like it would still be pretty good? I think it would still be pretty good. I think the main thing they needed was just someone to settle everybody down. Okay. And yeah, I think what Draymond does as far as like setting the table on, on the offensive end, making sure guys aren't going off the rails and over dribbling and overpassing and stuff like that. And then obviously defensively, he's just kind of like their anchor behind and he can keep a guy like Dante, like um, on his focus, you know, like don't have him gambling too much and stuff like that. Is that um, something so- Andre could have done if he was playing? Yeah, but Andre's. I mean, I know he's not, but I just want to. <laughs> I think he could have done it to a to a certain extent, but yeah, I just think the mobility, the strength that Draymond has, is is a little bit more valuable than just the IQ portion of it. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what it looks like when Andre actually does play, though, because I don't know where he like fits in. He's saying he's gonna play, and I'm like, where, when, how, what, like to do right. what. I'm so confused. I feel like they're just going to keep him on ice to the second half of the season um, and just see what he can give potentially in the playoffs. So, you know, Curd, he loves Andre. So, like, they trust Andre. Even if he hasn't played, they're going to put him out there. Just like in the finals. He was gone for half the season. They put him right in the finals. I don't know that it was actually helping, though. Yeah, yeah. I think Steph (laughs) Steph was hot. (laughs) Steph was hot. So, like, the plus minus might not have looked bad for Andre. But he he did some things. But, yeah. They click. They quickly realize, like, all right, we need to go in another direction. Yeah, he did some things. Oh, he sure did. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, I hear you. Um, yeah, why don't we actually break here, and so we can um come back and uh, actually like talk about this game, talk about Jonathan Kaminga, who I think is even though Steph was like amazing and Clay was amazing. (laughs) Jordan Poole had an interesting game. So I want to talk about that too. But I think the story of the game is Jonathan Kaminga or the last few games, because right. Like this is what we've been talking about. We need one of the young guys to take a leap to, to, to do it. And it looks like JK will do that this year. So let's let's take a break and 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 get back into it. So you're tuned into Golden Spaces and Odyssey Original Podcast with Justin and Nat. We'll be right back. For all NBA, for all NBA warriors, you are now tuned into Golden Spaces with Nat and Justin. We're back. 
It's Nat and Justin, Golden Spaces, Odyssey Original Podcast, you know, you know. Anyway, um, all right, the vibes are starting to get better. The vibes are starting to get better. Um, I don't know, I think it's because it's Sunday, but I'm getting over my my beverage being stolen. So let's talk about the game. Uh, there's so many, to me, there's so much to talk about because... This was like what people were deeming a finals rematch, which I get it. They were the two teams in the finals, but it's like, there was all this buzz about like the Celtics looking to get revenge and, you know, and it wasn't just the media, like Celtics players were sort of like sort of made certain comments and I'm just like, ah! so then for you to come in and I mean, obviously Jalen Brown understood the assignment, but Tatum had a rough night. Right. And so, like, that has to be a little defeating, no matter what people say, because you have the best record in the league. Right. You're coming in. People are calling you all the best team in the in the NBA. Tatum is, if not one of the front runners for MVP. And you come in on this stage against a team that's straddling 500, even though we know the, the Warriors record is fake. Like I tweeted this, like the Warriors are the definition of or that they're exception to the rule that you are with your records as you are, because like, they're not right. And we know that people are going to say, Oh, you're Warriors fans. You're just homers. You're being biased. But we know the Warriors are actually much better than their record. Right. So, mm-hmm. but you're coming into a team who basically people are like, Oh, the Warriors don't look so hot this year, blah, 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 blah. And you come in and you lose. And pretty much the Warriors had control of the game, the whole game. Like, it wasn't like it was like close and you just lost on a buzzer beater and it was the end. Like, you know, even when they made a little run, that was fake. That was a fake run. It wasn't real. Like, the Warriors had control over the entire game. So that has to be, to me, in my opinion, a little deflating for the Celtics. So why don't we, like, just start there? Like, how meaningful? I don't know. For the Warriors, is it a meaningful game or is it not a meaningful game? They definitely they definitely were ready for this. Like, they wanted to make sure they came out and won it, right? But, I mean, for obviously a Steph, a Dre a clay they've been here done this but like is it more meaningful for the young guys or or like what do you think it means for the team um i think it's meaningful for both teams um obviously it's a regular season game and all it ultimately matters is either a a w or an l in your win loss column but i think the different dynamics like surrounding the game definitely add more meaning to it um for the warriors in, in particular you, you needed to see yourself beat one of the better teams in the league, right? Obviously, they did it at, they did it at home, and they need to get some more road wins, but they, they've they had a rough go of it so far in the season. And, and did it without some, Wiggins. And did it without Wiggins, right? And they've, they've had some good wins, but, like, beating the, the best record in the NBA, the team that has the best offense of all time statistically, and the team that's looking like they are um, – you know, just poised to go straight back to the finals and blitz everybody and, and, and win the championship and right the wrong. But you go out there and you essentially dominate them the same way you did the last two games of the finals. And, you know, obviously game four was more of a Steph Curry job. But, um, yeah, that, that was just a good, huge morale boost after two bad losses. Um, so it definitely meant a lot for the team as a whole. And I think Steph said so after the game he said we we've shown that we can compete with the best in the league which is obviously like a very um like humble statement like obviously you can compete with the best you just won a championship but 
um, you got to see it happen, right? For for you to really be like, all right, we we still here, you know, send a message to the rest of the league. And then for the young guys, for Joku to go out there and had a game that he had, I think it's a confidence builder for him that he can just keep building on. He has another test coming up. He potentially is going to have to match up with Giannis. Posterize <laughs> Tatum though. He did posterize Tatum. He's, I hate he's that it had to be Tatum. I hate that it had to be him because I like Tatum. Right, right. But I love it for Joku because it's like, damn, I got I got one of the best players in the league. Like, put him on a poster. Um, and it was one of those, like, it wasn't yeah. like a sneaky one. It was like, we going uh-huh. up at the same time and you're going to have to block me. And he just put it on his head. So, um, yeah, great for him. Hopefully he can just continue to build off of this. Uh, I think Moody came in. He wasn't, like, terrible. He was probably, like, about a neutral. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like I said, confidence builder for the young guys and then just like reassurance for the older guys to be like, all right, we know we can we can play with these guys. But to actually put it together like this is huge um, for them. So when am I going to stop seeing Anthony Lamb on the court? Hopefully soon, to be honest. Like, I understand. I mean, why he do, right. do you? Why? Why do they play? It's because he's a bigger body that can stretch the floor. So it allows their lineups to reflect more of what they want to do, which is put Joku on the ball, um, have Draymond be more of a facilitator. And then Lamb just fills in the gap with somebody who can stretch the floor and guard bigger bodies. And he's decent at the point of attack. He's He can move his feet and stuff like that. Like he's a he's just a flat out better option at the four than Jermichael. He's a better option as a big than obviously. I never want to see Jermichael on the court again either. Right. So it's just more of a reflection of like they don't have a lot of options in the front court um, rather than like he's actually like a legitimate NBA rotation player. I but think. how did he miss stuff? How does he miss stuff? <laughs> like because people's like Steph was yelling, he was calling, he was clapping. But forget all that aside. Right. You're on the court. You have the ball. You should always be looking for stuff, right? Like, that's just what you should always be doing. He didn't right. even turn his head that direction. You look to the left, you ain't see stuff. So, nigga, look to the right <laughs> and fucking look for Wardell, Stephen Curry. Like, what is going on? Yeah, he's he makes some good passes sometimes, like the good basic passes. But his he gets tunnel vision a lot, too. And he'll catch it and just launch a contested three sometimes. I'm just really done with it. I, I just want an actual rotation piece in that spot so we can like not worry about it anymore. Because um, he is what he is. He's a two-way player, so he's going to have good moments. And it, most of his moments are going to be either neutral or bad. So I'm just – I'm ready for that experiment to be done. So, yeah. Does, does Jason Tatum have, like, a block when it comes to the Warriors? He might. Do you think? I don't like to say that. And I, I really like Jason Tatum. I do. Like, I'm a big Jason Tatum fan. And I'm actually, because some people seem to like, I feel like I've said this before, but like every time it seems to shock people. Like today I said it again on the TL and Warriors Reddit was like, what? You know, I was like, I'm a Celtics fan. Like they're my second favorite team. I like the Celtics. Mm. And you're like, what? You know, I'm like, <laughs> why are you not allowed to like more than one team? I don't understand. The Warriors are my team. They are, but I really like Celtics. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I feel you on that. As far as Tatum, he he might have a slight mental block, but I also think the Warriors are just perfectly equipped to guard him, like more so than other teams. Super switchable. And then, you know, Clay had his probably his best defensive game of the season. Um, he put him, he pinned a shot in the glass once and he was just making it tough on him. So we got a bunch of guys that can 
at least be close to his size. I think Tatum is probably closer to 6'10 than 6'8, but um, we got a bunch of 6'7, 6'6s with long arms that are strong, that can stay in front of him. And throughout his career, he hasn't been the best like finisher in traffic. He hasn't been the best pull-up mid-range jump shooter, especially contested shots. So we just force him into those type of shots. And, you know, it's just a game that he really doesn't want to play, but he has to against the Warriors because they take everything else away. Um, so, and I, and I, and I said the other day, like you have to be truly, truly unique as a player to have consistent success against the Warriors. Like, I'm not going to say Tatum is going to continue to have bad games forever against the Warriors, but um, the, the people that you've seen historically give the Warriors a lot of issues on a consistent basis are usually people that are like physical specimens like LeBron, right? He's going to, even if you take something away from him, he's going to always be able to punish you in transition because he's so strong, fast, and jumps so high, right? Um, somebody like even Jokic, right? Just physical beasts, like so tall and strong. Luka Doncic is really, really big. He can get to the paint whenever he wants. Meanwhile, guys like Harden, who's had game, good games against us, doesn't have him every single time he plays because he's like, he he just don't, he doesn't have a lot of counters to his game and he doesn't have any physical advantages against the Warriors that he can consistently exploit. Um, so he kind of resorts to like grifting and trying to get fouls and you don't get those in the playoffs. So he gets some stinkers from Harden. And I think Tatum kind of falls into that category almost where it's like he doesn't dominate them physically he can't just bully his way to the rim and finish so he's going to have to consistently hit very very tough jump shots and he's just nobody's going to hit those like nobody's going to hit those so i think it is some type of mental block there but i think it's also a schematic thing and it's a personnel thing it's just not a great matchup for him i see Jalen was cooking though if andrew was out there i don't think Jalen would have been able to cook like that maybe he could have Maybe because I think he had a hot game. I think they turned the Warriors over a few times and he got out in transition. That gets people in rhythm. Um, we've seen him cook in the finals for a few games. And then we also seen him just get strapped up the next few games. So I think he's one of those type of players and he's the second option on that team. So the Warriors usually, you know, make sure they shut down the first option or they, they tailor their defense to the first option and let the second option cook a little bit. Uh, so he's a great player, but. I don't think he's going to score. What did he score? 33, 31 or whatever. I don't think he's going to average that against the Warriors. <laughs> I mean, but both these teams were shorthanded. So we know what Andrew brings. But, you know, a lot of Celtics fans were whining about not having Al Horford and Rob Williams. I'm like, but you haven't played all season without Rob Williams. So they've been playing all season without Rob Williams. And they've been crushing teams without Al Horford, too, based on the, the numbers. So I really don't want to I don't want to hear that. But assuming those both, assuming we see this team again in the finals, I mean, we're going to see them in January and I don't know what the state of everyone's team will be. Um, But it seems like Rob is close to coming back. So let's say he will be on the court and that we're healthy. What additional dynamic and element does Rob, do Rob and and Al bring to the team? Uh, Well, Rob is the hell of a rim protector, right? So some of those backdoor layups that, the Warriors got might not be there. Like it might seem like it's there. And then he's the type of player that can just cover six feet of ground in no time and erase your shot at the rim. So that, that definitely makes it more challenging. You know, a lot of Jordan's like inside the paint game was, was going for him. And I think that might not be as available with Rob Williams there. 
And Al Horford, obviously, offensively, just brings a different dynamic as far as stretching the floor. You obviously got to respect him a lot more than a guy like Blake Griffin. You know, Blake Griffin's been kind of shooting well this season. Al Horford is just a different level of, of player. And defensively, he's just a little bit more switchable, all that type of stuff. Uh, so they definitely make a difference. I don't think that was the reason why they got dominated like that, you know. Um, I think it all boils down to Tatum, Smart, and Jalen Brown being able to make consistently good decisions with the ball in their hands, and they've shown that you, they can't be trusted to do that against the Warriors. The they defensive just, player of the year, he didn't look like he had nothing for stuff. Yeah, I mean, with the, the thing with Boston is like, sure, like if you put Marcus Smart on Steph for the whole game and he never switches off, maybe he can make Steph's life a little bit more difficult, but this is this is why perimeter players, when it comes to defense, don't stack up as much to like forwards and bigs, because all you got to do is call for a screen, and the perimeter guy that's a lockdown guy is just out of the play. Like, <laughs> how many times do they just run at Marcus Smart through a screen, and now he's on somebody else, and Steph is just cooking whoever gets screened onto him. Like, it, it that's why I'm not really moved by Marcus Smart or a Drew Holiday or these guys that are supposed to be super elite lockdown perimeter guys for Steph. All you got to do is call for a screen. Like, bye. You know what I mean? If you don't switch the screen, somebody's going to be open and you're done. Like, so a guy like Rob Williams is always going to be more valuable to defense than Marcus Smart, um, especially against the Warriors. And even if you don't, like, Drew's interesting because I always bring him up because, I mean, like, Marcus Smart is, like, important, obviously, to the Celtics. But I feel like him and Drew are important to their teams, like, in different ways. Like, they're both needed for defense. But Drew's also needed to be, like, their third option on offense, you know? Um, And I'm like, if he's out there running around chasing staff, you know, like, all night, like, then, Mm -hmm. like, he's already an inconsistent offensive player. So, like... Because of that. So you're going to get nothing from him if if he's, like, you know, on someone like Steph all night. That's why when people... That's how people talk to me about the Bucks. I'm like, they don't move me either. Yeah, I mean, Giannis will have to. Giannis will have to average like 40, um, in my opinion. Obviously, they would have to actually play the games, and we would have to see it shake out. But they run drop. Steph is going to just blow Brook Lopez's face off the whole um, series if they play. Um, Giannis is going to have to go one-on-one with Dre and see Looney behind him and all this type of stuff and average 40 points and 15 rebounds and eight assists and be by far the best player on the court for them to beat the Warriors four times. In my opinion, I think we have more than enough wings to make Chris Middleton's life very difficult. And like you said, Drew Holiday is going to be so preoccupied trying to chase Steph around and clay around all these screens that I'm not sure he's going to have the legs to provide a ton of value offensively. And he already struggles with that being a consistent offensive guy because of his job on defense. So um, I think we are a bad matchup for Milwaukee. I'm excited to see how the game plays out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like I said, Marcus Smart and Drew Holiday are all in the same boat for me. I don't think, I don't know if we're going to have Andrew back for Milwaukee. I didn't realize that his injury was so significant. I mean, it's not significant. Like we won't get him back for the season, but I think they're saying he probably needs like a good solid two weeks to recover. Yeah. Anything in that whole pelvic strain adductor. So like his groin. Okay. Like a groin muscle. Um, Anything, like I said, in that pelvic complex where it's like a a hamstring, an adductor, all those things are tricky. They take a while to to recover and it's pretty, 
it's not like super painful where you can't play. Like I'm pretty sure if they were in the playoffs right now, he'd be playing. But it's just one of those things that it might take a while to to be pain free. So they're probably just waiting for it to be completely pain free, which is the smart thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I know if Andrew's not playing, it's real because like he's so sturdy yeah. and he likes to play and he doesn't take off. So I know it's something real. So I just want him to get better. So I'm okay with that. But that will be a little bit of a tougher matchup, obviously, without him on the court. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all matchups are tougher without him because he he does so much for the team. Um, but yeah, that that big matchup obviously is going to be Draymond and Giannis. Joke will come in. Let's see if he can get a little bit of Chris Middleton. Um, yeah, if Clay defends like how he defended on Tatum last night on on Chris Middleton to start out the game, then I think they'll be in pretty good shape. And he might because they have two nights off. Um, but look, this is one this is one of those times where even though I hate injuries. I think this is like a good thing for Kaminga because it's mm-hmm. similar to like when Steph went down and Jordan got all that time. Like, I think this yep. is only going to help Kaminga. I really do. For sure. I mean, Jordan has been like kind of the beneficiary of, not to say beneficiary, but he's been the guy that step in whenever, whenever either Steph or Clay's been injured for the last two, three seasons, even 2021. Obviously, he wasn't starting. It was Kelly. But second half of the season, he was getting a ton of run because they didn't have any reliable guards and he grew into his own and then he started most of the games last season to start the season and you know started to end the finish the season as well so similar similar path for Jonathan Kaminga here and yeah let's just hope he can just continue to build and do the things that he needs to do to help this team win all right let's let's break here um when we get back I want to take a deep dive on Kaminga though and also um pools game and 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 the players let's dig into those a little bit since we sort of already previewed the matchup <laughs> coming up not intentionally but we did so um let, let's get to the individual play of some of the guys and that big win over boston so we'll be back you're tuned into golden spaces justin and nat For all NBA warriors, you are now tuned into Golden Spaces with Matt and Justin. It's Golden Spaces. We're back. It's an Odyssey original podcast with Natalie and Justin. I've been trying to get Justin to tell me about his hot date and he still won't. So I need to tell now, Justin. I went to a birthday party. Oh, okay. All right, he's not going to share. So anyway, let's get back to the business of basketball. So. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> so um, let's start with um, Jordan Poole, if you don't mind, because Jordan had an interesting game, right? Like, wasn't very efficient shooting. Um, not for three at least. Huh? Not for, not for three, three at least. And it felt like he would do one thing and then he became obsessed with it. So first it was like, okay, he just kept shooting threes. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I need you to calm down. That <laughs> it was the fucking floater. It was just like, all right, I'm going to keep shooting this. And I'm right, like, right. like, what is going on? Just like, I was confused. Like, I didn't know what I was watching. And 
like the thing is Jordan is a player I feel like who's just gonna always like kind of frustrate me a little bit because it's like he can make some really tough shots like he's a tough shot maker but he also does some like bizarre things on the court and I'm like Mm-hmm. Is this going to change with experience or is this just going to be the player who you're going to be? I don't know. So, but I don't think like, it's it's like he had like what, like 20 something points last night, but I don't know that I would call that a good game, but we needed what he gave us and he did good things on the court, but I wouldn't say that was like, a, certainly wasn't a great game. You know, mm-hmm. like if that, I'd say that was like a B, B minus game maybe. Um so I don't know. What do you think? Am I being too hard on him? Um, not not exactly. I definitely think it was more like a B game. If he had made two or three more threes, it would probably be like an A plus. I think the shots that he was taking were good shots. Um, <laughs> it was it were the shots that he was like being given, and he's the type of player like he's cut. He is were cut they from good that. shots? Are you telling me I the think, truth? They were good I shots. Most, I think for the most part they were good shots for him. Okay. You know what I mean? Like. It's one of those things where, like, he is one of those Steph Clay disciples where, like, he has inherited their shot selection as well. But he's, he's not, not a, quite good at it. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's not quite as obviously accurate as a, of a marksman as they are, even though he is better than he's shown this season. I think his, once his shot actually gets in rhythm, um, he'll be a lot better. But he's still a young player. I think he does have time to refine his skills as a shooter to get a little bit closer to that level obviously their level is just way and beyond is he gonna get past that um i think at some point yeah i think it's just kind of a part of his game though right like it's the same thing with clay like you're just like oh clay that was a terrible shot oh it goes in okay like you know <laughs> it's one of those things like He's going to over dribble sometimes and he's going to shake somebody out their shoes. And then he's going to over dribble like a, t- a few times and nothing happens. So you kind of got to live with it. You want it to be tempered down a little bit more, but it, it's, it's, it's a part of the, the package, I think. Um, so oh, for the most part, I, I think he had a, he had a pretty good game. He just, the shot making has to get better. And I think it will. Um, he's somewhere in between now and to finish last season where he was shooting like 45% from three or something crazy. Like he's somewhere in between those two. I feel like um, he can definitely be. High 30s. Yeah. He's been high thirties. I think he was high thirties last year. He's probably about mid thirties, but I think. His but I best, mean, is that what you think he's ultimately going to be in his career? Like a high thirties guy. Yeah. I think he's high thirties. Uh, he'll have some games where like, like last night where he's like what one for nine from three or something. And he'll have games where he's like seven for nine. Like, so it's just the it's a high variance play style. Same thing with Steph. Same thing with Clay. They're just Steph in particular is just an unreal a marksman that we've never seen before. So he makes a high variance game look like it's you know common. You know it's just easy for him. So because he was hitting some crazy sh- like some of the shots that Steph were taking were quote unquote bad shots, but he was just making them. So it's like no is it really shot. a bad shot? Sorry. There's no bad shots for him, right? So it's it's similar but with that Jordan. shot that Clay took at the end of the quarter when he just like ran to the three point like what yeah. are you doing? Clay. He didn't even set his feet. Clay's like, what, why do we have to do this all the time? Why? <laughs> I guess it's a part of the experience and you just gotta hope sometimes like all right Clay like you gonna take these shots you better make them like <laughs> better make him or we're gonna be in trouble and yeah it, it it worked out what was he five for 11 
it's just kind of frustrating because it's like, damn, you were five for eleven, Clay, but you probably could have been like nine for eleven if if six if a few of those misses were actually better shots, set shots, you probably wouldn't have missed any threes. But right, it, it is what it is. Um. Okay, Clay Thompson though he for the most part a little crazy too, but he had a good game. Thirty three points for him, right, or something like that. I'm making that up. I think he had thirty four. 34 32 or something like that something like that yeah so big night for the splash bros um it did seem a little bit like at the beginning of the game that they were intentionally trying to get like clay going and then once he did of course it was just like well i'm gonna just keep shooting you know we know Mm -hmm. how clay is but it seemed like there was like a little focus because i i mean I, I do feel like a TL gets a little anxious, like when when Steph is not sure. Like, oh, Steph's one of those passive games, and they start going crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steph wasn't like really shooting a lot or whatever in the first, but I sometimes feel like that's intentional. Like when he does that, right? Like you know, got Clay into a rhythm, got him going, and then he came in and did what he had to do. Yeah, I think they just made a concerted effort to get the offense flowing, and usually Clay is a beneficiary of that type of thought process like whenever they just run a set and just run it all the way through it usually finds its way to clay's hands and he ran the floor very well and usually when he when he comes into the game with the mindset of just doing the little things and playing team basketball he usually has a really good game like he came out trying to guard tatum up um did that well he ran the floor in transition when they got um fast break opportunities he got a few cherry pick layups not even cherry pick but just like running the floor layups and I heard he was most excited by the pin, the 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 block. Yeah, he said he hadn't had one of those in years. <laughs> Clay's a funny dude. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the whole passive step thing is usually you gotta wait and see. Like, just his movements are is he sharp with his movements? Is he is he just standing in the corner and not doing anything at all? That's where you kind of gotta be like, all right, it might be one of those nights. But it's a big game. You know, he's gonna show up for a big game. For sure. Um, Steph was just Steph. And um, the shot making last night was ridiculous. Um, You know, Bonte um, posed a great question because he said, how come Steph is like not even in people's top four right now, right? And for MVP. And like, honestly, if I was an MVP voter, Steph wouldn't be in my top four, but he would be someone like I'm watching and on my radar, right? Like based on like how I do MVP criteria, because I am someone where like your record matters. So, but like, we're not at a stage yet where like, it's it's still early enough in the season that like to me, like if you turn it around, then it's going to be, you know, okay. But I am someone where record matters. So I'm not a fan of these six seeds and, and people like, it's just never going to sit right with me. Um, but that being said, that's also why I have an issue with Luca constantly being in the conversation. So anyway, Bonte poses this question to the TL and everyone's response to him is like the Warriors look at their record, this, that, that, that. And my response and some others responses, then why the hell is Luca at the top of everyone's MVP ballot? Right. Mm-hmm. And aside from, to me, it just being a forced effort every year to want to make Luca MVP, crown him the face of the league, you know, all he's next and all this other stuff. Right. There's this thing with Luca where it's just like, well, but look at his teammates. Right. So even though the Warriors were struggling, right. Like I understand who his teammates are. Right. But like, Mm -hmm. 
this thing we always do with like, right? It's sort of like when you think about the Cavs, right? And they said LeBron had no help, but like Kevin Love was on the team, right? It's like, but look at what Kevin Love was giving him, right? So are we going to look at production or are we going to look at the names of the people, right? Like, because on one hand, y'all are criticizing Clay and saying he's not the same Clay, but now you're penalizing Steph, like saying he has too much help, right? Like, so I don't get it. But Luca, because he doesn't have any big names next to him, then it's okay to put him in the MVP race. Yeah, or we, know, we know what it is at this point. Narratives, agendas whatever you can put it all um, in that basket. I think, I think people are just for lack of a better term, horny to make Luca to crown Luca, um, you know, the guy, you know, and he's obviously a great player and he's up there. Right. But there's no reason why, like you said, there's no reason why he should have a claim and Steph shouldn't. They're both similar in record right now, similar in production. Um, I think Steph is, you know, had a higher impact this season. I think yeah. Steph's been the best player in the league this season i think it's clear Agreed. um so personally he would definitely be in my top three for mvp i don't think their record is that far behind for him for him to be completely excluded i want to say there's seven games behind the celtics which is that's a considerable gap but the celtics and the bucks and the teams at the top of the league um they aren't like crazy crazy far you know i think in the west the warriors are only Four and a half games out of first. I'd probably have Steph third, so maybe I was lying. I didn't think about it that much, but I'd probably have him third behind Tatum and Giannis right now. Yeah, I think I'm not one of these people moved by. I see some people with Jokic, like Jokic is a great player. I don't think he's having that kind of season, um, to this point. Um, I'm not moved by the Devin Booker stuff either. Yeah, <laughs> Get the Suns out of here. Um, Zion is making a claim. He's, Zion he's is interesting. Up. Yeah. yeah. Zion, Zion is climbing up. He's climbing up. He's a monster. And the, the Pelicans are obviously doing very well. They got a loaded team, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I think I would probably throw Zion in there in the top five somewhere. I would throw Giannis and Tatum, probably a top three. Steph in there. And... I guess I guess you can throw I mean Embiid maybe Embiid and Jokic can fight for that last spot but yeah I think so you wouldn't even have Luca in there in your top five at this point nah yeah but no like I can see why somebody would put him there where where's Dallas right now they're tenth they have they're one game they're half a game behind the Warriors it's tough this is where it gets tough that's why I like. MVP, I feel like you you got to really look deep into it at like the 40 game or like halfway through the season is when you really look at it and say, okay, whose record is where, who's doing what? Because it's so jumbled up right now, it's hard to to say who should and shouldn't be, you know, first, second, third, whatever the case may be. See, my thing with Luca is that like, yes, like if you look at his numbers, they look good. But So efficiency wise, he's still not there with like, I mean, he's, you know, like he's not free throws. His three is like, okay, whatever. Right. He's, but from the field, he's shooting over 50%. Fine. Um, He has like counting stats, you know, high points, high rebounds, um, high assist. But 
there, it's also a function of the offense and like the way their offense runs, you know, like he has the ball most of the time, his usage is high. So it's like, I feel like if you take any of those guys and put them in those same circumstances, they're going to like tally a similar number of counting stats, you know, um, and may even do it more efficiently, to be honest. And so it's like, he's very good, but I just feel like, I don't know. It's, it just feels so forced to me. I understand. I mean, we've, we've seen over the years, these guys do the whole like high usage thing and yield similar results. So you see with Harden and Russell Westbrook and guys like that. So I can understand why you're kind of like not as moved by it as other people. Uh, but I'm at the same time, it is. I just feel like he's white Harden. You know, I really do. He might be a little <laughs> bit better than him, but that's what I right. feel. And, um, you know, people will say, I, I don't know, you have a bias for, <laughs> you know, international players. You have a bias because he's white. It's he's none xenoph- of those things. Xenophobic, is that the term? Yeah, it's neither of those things. It's just that, like, I think, I think, I just still think he's being elevated too early. I think he's a great player. Um, I still think he's not there with the likes of Giannis and Steph, in my opinion. And I don't like that he's still being just catapulted into the categories with them. I don't, I don't think he's as good as them. Not yet. Defense yeah. is a last too, by the way. Yeah, I would agree. I think. Steph and Giannis are the two best players in the league. I think Steph has been the best player in the league so far this season. Uh, Luka is somewhere in the top five, probably. Uh, but like you said, I don't think he's quite at that level yet. And you got to you got to prove that in the playoffs if you are that that level of player. Um, obviously, MVP is announced and won before the playoffs even starts. But yeah, I think just the precedent that's been set over the years with the award. It has to be somewhat of a team thing. Like it has to be somewhat of like a a culmination of everything going right for you that season, right? Your team is doing very well, obviously because of you. You're having a great individual season. Um, you're you're playing well against the other MVP candidates and stuff like that, which he has. But uh, we got to see at the end of the season if he has that complete package put together. If not. He's not the MVP. If he does, sure, you can give it to him. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, like I said, people just want him. They want to crown him so so early, and it rightfully so. Like I don't think anybody, or it's very it's a very short list of people who have been this good this early in their careers, especially when you consider his age. But just let him play his career out. You don't gotta be so quick to be like he's he's the best player in the league right now. Like he's and not- why are we thinking about the other guys who are still very great and performing great? Like Steph is giving right. you great performances every night. Let's still appreciate that. That wasn't being done with LeBron. It wasn't like who's next. It was like, oh, we got to stop and marvel at LeBron. So fucking stop and marvel at Stephen Curry, bro. Yeah, best people bring up bronze age. People have been bringing up bronze age for the last three seasons, four seasons about how old he is and how good he still is. And Steph and don't even look dude, like he's close to slowing down. That's the shit. Yeah. And Steph is, at this point, like, he's not LeBron, right? He's not 6'8", whatever, freak athlete. He's essentially above average athleticism relative to the freak athletes of the league. Um, you know, rel- no, relative to, like, an average person. But he's not athletic or compared to the freak athletes of the league. And he's 34 
years old. This is his age 35 season. And he's the best player in the fucking league. Like <laughs> people don't like, I don't think we're under, we're given the appreciation or the recognition that it deserves for someone that's, that's doing this. Like the last person to really be doing this really other than Braun is Michael Jordan. Like it's, it's unprecedented stuff. Right. And even he's doing stuff that MJ and LeBron haven't been doing right at this age. So I think that's more impressive than somebody that's 22, 23 years old MVP candidate, because we've seen that time and time again. But we haven't seen 34 years old best player in the league playing. At, with, yeah. Without, without crazy. Because people are like, oh, what's the narrative? And to me, that's it, that he's at this age. He's at this he's age, this, this stature. Level. He's not a seven footer. He's not six eight that came into the league with a fifty inch vert and oh he's ten years older. So his his vert went from fifty to forty. Like <laughs> it's his vert is probably like thirty something, like thirty matching know, so. or potentially exceeding what he did in twenty sixteen. Right to to have arguably your best season of your entire career compared to a season where you won MVP unanimously and you did it almost ten years ago. That's it doesn't make sense. So that's why it's like, uh, it's kind of hard for me to not put him in the top two MVP, top three MVP right now. Uh, Look, ultimately, I think Steph will get there. And I, you know, coming into the season, I was like, he's needs third MVP. He should win third MVP. This is going to be his MVP season. So you already know I was on that type of time. But right. um, the, for me, the record has to get better and I believe it will get better. But that's why I get so annoyed every time they go back to this 500 bullshit. I'm like, bro, come on, it's time like to claim your MVP. So I need you to like stop playing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it will be get get there, and that's all due time. Um, but it does need to happen, and they kind of need to start to make like their way. You know, I'm really, I really, I, I really want them to have like a top three finish, you know. Um, not four. I get that four would still get them. Um home court i get that um but at least in one round but i i I want them to 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 finish top three maybe it won't matter because it's gonna i guess maybe depend on like where the bracket ends up so maybe that distinction between three and four but three is better i think just for like mvp case and purposes right it's like silly right but Mm -hmm. it, it does for purposes of that kind of stuff um so yeah so we'll see. We'll see. All right, y'all. So I hope you enjoyed this um, conversation between me and Justin as always. You know, you're tuned in to Golden Spaces. Uh, I hope you're downloading. Downloading. It's important. I want to reemphasize that. Downloading. Also, give us some reviews. Five stars only. Um, we appreciate it. We appreciate y'all. Share the podcast. Let people know. And um, also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golden Spaces Pod. Until next time, we'll be back after from Milwaukee. Is that the game we're going to be back for, Justin? Yep. Bucks, big game. All right, we'll be back, y'all. Take care. Till next time.